And we'll remove the sticker there. What's up, everybody? This is Nick from P2W Fantasy. Got a middle-of-the-day stream going on today. Um, working from home, so I'm technically taking my lunch break right now. And I figured it'd be a good time to talk some football uh, and go live here. So um, what I got going on today, uh, just recapping week 11 here. And then I'm going to go into week 12, um, some starts and sits early, just because we got a couple games on Thursday. So I figured with the games on Thursday, um, hey, hey, love the fridge. Uh, it's a good one there with the uh, the painting up there for my wife, uh, young Picasso. But uh, yeah, going to go into some starts and sits just because we got a couple games on Thursday and uh, jump right into it. Rocking the P2W t-shirt available. Uh, on Twitter, you can look at the pinned tweet there to grab that. So uh, looking at this past week, last night we had a good game against the uh, with the Rams versus the Buccaneers. The highs for the Buccaneers included their, their three wide receivers. So we had uh, Chris Godwin with 18.3, Mike Evans with 15.9, Antonio Brown with 13.8. The ironic thing with that, though, is – their quarterback had 12.64. He had two touchdowns and two interceptions. So seeing all three of these wide receivers have a good game uh, was interesting because their quarterback really did not. So um, definitely, definitely interesting there. With the Rams, my guy Robert Woods, big Robert Woods fan, had 30.6. He had 15 targets in that game and a touchdown. Cooper had 25.5. Jared Goff had 23.04 with three touchdowns and 376 yards. So that was an interesting game to watch last night. And definitely one that was entertaining. Looking ahead here, um, week 11, going through the top fives and some bottom guys for uh, performances for the week. The number one guy for quarterbacks was actually Mila's start of the week. So Mila... My four-month-old daughter has her starts of the week every week. She said Deshaun Watson, and he was the number one quarterback of the week with 31.36. Justin Herbert versus the Jets, 27.74. Taysom Hill, quarterback slash tight end slash flex slash coach slash player versus Atlanta had 24.42. We're going to count him as a quarterback for this. Kirk Cousins versus Dallas, 22.96. And then Ryan Tannehill versus the Ravens, 21.86. The one thing I'll say about this group of guys is that it seems like Ryan Tannehill was the only one that had a true um, tough matchup here. New England, Jets, Atlanta, Dallas Cowboys, those are not really good defenses that we worry about this year. Um, but Tannehill had a tough matchup against the Ravens, and he performed well. Um, which quarterbacks? Do you start this week? Brady, Ben, Carr, and Hill. Well, Derek Carr actually is one of my starts of the week, but I think I would have a problem with benching Brady and Big Ben for him. Even Big Ben with the Ravens on the schedule, having those big three wide receivers, I don't think I can bench Big Ben at this, uh, this time. I think Big Ben might be a sleeper um, MVP this year. So I might go with Brady and Ben. Um, Carr does have a great matchup. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And, uh, Taysom Hill had a good week. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to sit any of these other guys for him though. Nice shirt. I'm waiting to buy the sleeveless version. Wes, I can just create a sleeveless uh, version for you, my man. Um, I I'm pretty good at doing that. So, uh, thank you for that though. And the bottom quarterbacks of week 11, Alex Smith for Cincinnati, 
Stafford versus Carolina, Tua versus Denver, Mayfield versus Philly. All of them were 8.34 or less. And then Matt Ryan had 5.28. So might have got burned on those guys. Matt Ryan might have been the surprise there. Baker's been bad, so nothing new there. Alex Smith and Stafford had good matchups, so that was a bit of a surprise for them to have those weeks. I know uh, Matt Stafford's dealing with that thumb issue, so that could have been part of the reasoning right there. The highs for the running backs here. Dalvin Cook versus Dallas, 25. CEH having a big game versus the Raiders, 20.7. Derrick Henry versus a good Baltimore defense, 20.2. Ezekiel Elliott, who a lot of people started to write off, had a great game, and he looked good versus the uh, Vikings there, 19.4. And then J.K. Dobbins, that was the talk of the day, having his breakout game. His touches were very, very good in that game in comparison to Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. I think them two combined for like eight carries, and J.K. Dobbins had 15. So seeing that he took over that backfield was so exciting, especially if you are a manager of J.K. Dobbins. But then the the news breaks there that J.K. Dobbins is on the COVID list. So maybe against the Steelers, that's a good game to miss. We don't want anybody to obviously catch COVID and have to miss for that or be exposed to it. But uh, what a little bit of a disappointing set of news to start the week with, with uh, J.K. Dobbins hitting that list after a breakout game. It's, it was similar to uh, DeAndre Swift for me because DeAndre Swift had that massive game and then he had a concussion, you know, that we uh, learned about later early in the, the week um, prior to last. So J.K. Dobbins, if he continues to get those carries, could be a season winner for me. Some of the let, letdowns in uh, week 11, Todd Gurley versus the uh, New Orleans Saints, who really don't give up running back points, but he had 3.9. Duke Johnson versus New, uh, New England, 6.5. Kareem Hunt got that touchdown, but only had 9.1 versus uh, the Eagles. Miles Sanders, same game uh, versus Cleveland, 9.1. And then Kamara, which was a surprise versus the Atlanta Falcons, 10.5, had his lowest scoring game of the season. The only thing uh, to be a little bit concerned about with Kamara is if Taysom Hill is having an issue finding him the ball. I I don't know. I don't know if that's something to be concerned about. Um, I was listening to the fantasy uh podcast that has a field Yates and Matthew Barry usually and field Yates had a comment on there that said something along the lines of Taysom Hill being a more see it, make the play sort of guy, instead of being aware of um, guys who should be open in different spots. So if Taysom Hill has an issue finding Alvin Kamara, the ball, maybe I'd be a little concerned there, but um, obviously he's a automatic start on a weekly basis. Uh, wide receivers here. Um, Keenan Allen versus the New York Jets, 34.5. Adam Thielen versus Dallas, 32.5. Tyreek Hill versus Raiders, 27. Demir Bird was the big surprise versus Houston, 26.3. And Devonta Adams, 23.6. Um, with these guys, the thing that stands out to me, obviously we think Tyreek Hill is very, very good and is going to have a um, good week almost on a weekly basis, but you do have the Travis Kelsey factor. I think playing Keenan Allen and playing Devonta Adams every week is are two guys that scare you the most out of these wide receivers. Um, we could talk about Michael Thomas, you know, coming back to himself, and we can talk about um, some other guys across the league. But in terms of like playing somebody on a weekly basis, I think Keenan Allen is scaring you just because of the target share, and then Devonta Adams is just going off lately. And this twenty three point six game was his low for the last like few weeks here. If we look into Devonta Adams the last few weeks. I mean, he's, he's having games where he's scoring like 30, 40 points. Um, like it's nothing. So that's kind of scary to go into. Uh, he did have 18.6 in week 10, but from weeks 
seven through nine, 44.6, and then two 30-piece games. So, um, obviously, Devontae Adams with some other guys coming back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has some more targets to throw to with Lazard on the field. He involved uh, Tunyon a little bit more, but Keenan Allen's another guy who's just been going off on these weeks too. And I think these two guys scare you a little bit more if you're playing them than some other guys. Some letdowns for wide receivers. There was a lot, so I'm just going to fly through them real quick. We got a quick comment here. feel like I always struggle with running back targets with mobile QBs. Could be the case. Um, trying to think of a good example uh, to a guy that doesn't. I mean, I guess back in the day, Cam, um, when he was healthy with Christian McCaffrey, he did dump off a handful of balls to him. Uh, that might be an example. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's not really maybe their style of play. Some guys that struggled, uh, Julio Jones with uh, 5.9, but he had a hamstring issue he was dealing with. Marquise Brown, zero points on three targets. So Marquise Brown is one of those guys that you're really debating, do I even need him on my team at this point in the year? T. Higgins, 5.6. Joe Burrow had that injury, which was terrible. Um not sure what that means for T Higgins and Tyler Boyd with Finley. It looked like Finley was looking Tyler Boyd's way with the throws that he was attempting. Michael Gallup, 4.9 versus the Vikings. Jameson Crowder was a little bit surprising versus the Chargers, 2.6. And he looked like he was, I'm pretty sure he was healthy. So I'm not entirely sure why his targets dropped that low, just because we're used to Jameson Crowder being this PPR monster. But you know, Flacco likes Perryman. Um, Mims is getting a lot of looks, so maybe that's a factor. Travis Fulgham versus Cleveland, 1.8, which is a tough stat just because Fulgham, if we look at the previous week here, pretty sure he had a similar stat line. So this pack, oh, I I was on the dot, 1.8 in both weeks. Yikes. So that's kind of rough there for Travis Fulgham. Uh, Rieger might be the guy who starts stepping up more and more on a weekly basis. And we saw Dallas Goddard have a good week too. So I'm not sure if Fulgham's on the way out in terms of his production, but, um, if you have them, you, you obviously are keeping them. Maybe it's more of a question mark if you're flexing them or not. And then Juju versus Jacksonville 5.6, not a good sign there for him. Um, Deontay Johnson is that wide receiver one. So in terms of who gets what for the other two guys, it kind of fluctuates a little bit sometimes tight ends to cap it off with. Kelsey, 26.86 versus the Raiders in the same game. Darren Waller had 21.8. Mark Andrews versus the Titans, 20.6. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury now. I don't think it's a huge concern, though. Dallas Goddard versus Cleveland, 18.7. And then Tunyon versus the Colts, 15.4. What I like about this list is we expect that out of the top three right there. Kelsey, Waller, and Andrews. You know, Andrews has been a guy who's had some bad weeks, so to see him have a top three week is what we expect of him. And that's what we want outside of Kelsey and Waller though. I thought maybe Hawkinson was going to be a guy you can trust on a weekly basis, but the tight end position is just fluctuating so much. And there's so many question marks with who should you play on a weekly basis? Who's going to step up. There was a decent amount of guys this week that had like 14 in that range, but at the same time, you're getting the same consistent production from two guys, in my opinion, Kelsey and Waller. So we'll see who continues to find some momentum for the tight end position moving forward. The momentum was not there for these guys. Logan Thomas for Cincinnati, 2.8. So after having some decent looks in previous weeks, he looked bad in that one in terms of point production. Darren Fells versus New England, 4.9. Atkins looked like the much better tight end in that game. Austin Hooper versus Philly, 6.3. Nobody really did good for Baker's crew there. Jared Cook, 1.6 versus Atlanta. And then Hayden Hurst dropped a dud, a zero in that game. So those guys might have burned you if you plugged him in. Um, again, 
tough position to trust on a weekly basis unless you have one of the top tier guys there. So uh, good week there. Um, obviously, the one big takeaway from that week that I can't stop thinking about is the Joe Burrow injury just because so much damage to the knee. Um, he had a good start to the year. He had a great start to the year. He was proving what he was said to be and um, just hoping he has a quick recovery because football is better with Joe Burrow. And looking ahead here to the week ahead, got three games on Thanksgiving. So that, that gives us some, uh, some positivity to carry into the day already. Um, because, uh, we're typically used to just one game on that day. The Cowboys always play. Um, they happen to play the Washington football team. So maybe not the most exciting game of all time, but, uh, there is a lot of exciting skill players in that game. So I'm just giving Cowboys fans some crap there. But the first game of that day is going to be Texans versus Lions, carry over to Washington Cowboys, and then the night game is going to be a great one to watch, Ravens versus Steelers. Week 12 starts and sits. Starts and sits for week 12 here. So um, it's easy to say certain guys, like a Patrick Mahomes kind of player, is your start of the week. I'm not going to go the easy route on some of these guys and wanted to dig a little bit deeper into um, some starts and sits for the week and why. So hopefully this will give you some reasons to maybe stream some of these guys if uh, you have the ability to do so. First guy on the list for starts of the week, I'm going to go with the quarterback position. And I mentioned him earlier from a question that came for the uh, live stream is Derek Carr versus Atlanta. For some reason, the Raiders always give the Chiefs a good game this year. They beat the Chiefs this year. So in tradition to that, Derek Carr had a great game against the Chiefs. 20 for 31, 74.2 completion percentage, 275 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, and then to carry the ball a few times to get 21.6 overall points. So he had a great game for fantasy purposes. 69.7 completion percentage on the year. So he's, he, he's very efficient with what he does with his passing. He's had five weeks of 19 plus fantasy points. So he has the ability to have some upside there. He's not going to score you 40 or 30 or anything like that. But I, I'd say if you have a quarterback that you can um, stream and plug in for an injury or a bye week uh, or something along those lines, he could be a good stream option. And we know that Atlanta gets thrown all over. So it's typical of the Falcons to allow the quarterback position to score well. So in this game, I, I think, Derek Carr is a great stream for the week. Um, he's proven to be efficient, and he's proven some upside. The interesting thing is his rookie receivers are not really showing any sorts of an impact. So if one or both of those guys start picking their games up and getting getting involved, that might uh, make Carr's stock go up even more a little bit. Um, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, a lot of hype coming into the season, not really involved. It's mostly been out uh, Nelson Aguilar, which has been a surprise to some people, but Nelson Aguilar has been his go-to guy in a lot of these games, and he's scored uh, often. So Derek Carr versus the Falcons is going to be my stream of the week for the quarterback position. So a pivot guy, which is hard for me to say because he's one of my favorite players in the league, but I'm going to pivot away from Lamar Jackson this week versus Pittsburgh, which is hard to do. Um, because even with uh, Lamar struggling, he still has good fantasy weeks. But um, week eight versus Pittsburgh, he had 14.82 points and 46.4 completion percentage. Pittsburgh does a good job at disrupting the quarterback and shutting down wide receivers. 
Obviously, the Ravens don't have a lot of wide receivers that can be super dangerous that have shown lately. It's mostly the tight end and then guys sneaking into some targets like Sneed or even last week, Des Bryant had some catches. Uh, but Pittsburgh's good against the quarterback and they're good against wide receivers. So with Lamar struggling back in week eight versus them, I don't have a lot of room for him to have this massive upswing of a game, especially coming off this past week where he scored 16.54 uh, had under 60% completion percentage, and he had under 200 yards once again. So Pittsburgh being very good against QBs, Lamar not really being good as a passer. I think he's a guy you can pivot away from this week if you have the availability to do so. I'm not saying pivot Lamar Jackson um, and throw in anybody. You have to be smart about who you're pivoting with, um, but he's not a guy I'm comfortable playing this week against the Steelers, just, just based off of his last performance with them and then as of late. Going to the running back position, I got two guys that I like this week, and they're not Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott or those uh, sort of names, but Antonio Gibson versus Dallas I like this week. You have to monitor the uh, ankle. Um, I believe he might have set out practice on Monday. Might have been a maintenance thing just because they play on Thanksgiving. But uh, Dallas is a bottom, through, uh, bottom two through 10 weeks of football versus running backs for rushing yards. Week seven, Antonio Gibson played the Cowboys. He went 20 for 128 yards, a touchdown, and averaged 6.4 yards per carry. So he lit them up last time. Not to say that just because you did it before, you'll do it again. But I will say that if you have done it before, you might have the confidence to do it again, which you'd expect from a guy like him who's had uh, good weeks the last four weeks. 18.8, 12.5, 22.5, and 17.4 fantasy points the last four weeks. So he, he's been he's been good in fantasy. Um, he's not getting the receptions. That's one thing that uh, has been taken away from him just because McKissick has been targeted like 100 times in the last three games, and he takes almost all of those. But uh, Gibson's rushing the ball well, um, almost six uh, yards per carry and uh, a touchdown this past week. So he's he's got the hot hand in terms of uh, finding um, gaps and uh, space to explode into. And I think versus Dallas, he can have another good week. So I like Antonio Gibson this week, if you can plug him in um, over some other guys here. Another guy that I like a lot uh, that doesn't get talked about enough is Wayne Gallman, who I know last year, you know, he had some hype because Saquon got hurt with that ankle injury and you plugged him in and he wasn't that good. But weeks seven through 10, Gallman's been the RB3. So across weeks seven, eight, nine, 10, Gallman's been the RB3. He had 16.4, 13.2, 14.7, and 19 in those games. So he's been scoring well. You might say, hey, well, his touchdowns have to slow down. He's been scoring a lot of touchdowns. Sure, but if he's having the ability to have these games, I don't see any reason why against the Bengals, you don't plug him in and be comfortable with it, especially if you can just plug him into your flex position. So Cincinnati uh, is towards the bottom, like five of the league for rushing yards given up to running backs. So I think he can have a nice game. I think without Joe Burrow, you have this big hit to your team in general. So if uh, the Giants are able to take a lead, maybe they can lean on Gallman to eat up some time during the game as well. So Wayne Gallman, I think, is a guy that is being slept on a little bit just because of recent production. If he cools off, he cools off. But as of right now, he is not. So he is one of my starts of the week for guys that you're looking to stream and plug into the running back position. Looking at a start. So it might take some heat for, or not a start, a sit. 
looking at a sit. So I might take some heat because he had a great last week. But my sit of the week, or a guy you might pivot away from, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And here's the reason. 14 carries for 69 yards and two touchdowns this past week. A lot of people said he doesn't score. He can't score. Lev Bell takes away so much from him. He doesn't. I mean, Bell's not really a factor uh, like we thought he might have been. And Edwards Elaire uh, just proved to us this past week he could find the end zone. So that was good. That was good. He's not really receiving passes out of the backfield. So that's one thing that's a little bit concerning. He had one reception last week, and we thought, you know, coming out of the draft class, you know, CEH was going to be a guy that catches a lot of balls, but it's not really their style of play for that offense. But 19 carries across the previous three games, though. So even though we had 14 this past week, that's a great sign. The previous three, Denver, the Jets, and Carolina, he only had 19 total carries. So that's a bit concerning, especially with those teams not being very good, uh, especially with the Jets and Carolina. Tampa Bay is solid versus running backs. And uh, I'm pretty sure looking at stats through 10 weeks of football, they were leading the league against running backs. So with Tampa having the ability to shut down the run game and this game script being more of a shootout, I don't like Edwards Elaire in this game. If he was catching more, uh, more balls, I think I'd have a little bit more optimism for him coming into this week, but he's not really uh, catching a lot of passes. And if his carries have been limited besides last week, this might be a Mahomes-Brady game where both guys are throwing the ball a lot. So I'm not sure this game is going to be in his favor unless the Chiefs get a big lead in it. And with Tampa Bay being a good overall team, even though they've had some bumps in the road, I don't see a blowout on either side of the ball. So CEH is a guy I might pivot away from this week if you have the availability to do so. So if he's your best running back, I'm not saying sit your best running back, but what I am saying is it might be the case where it's not a good week to plug him in. Wide receiver position here. Um, my boy DJ Moore is going to be one of the starts of the week for me versus Minnesota. I was nervous going into this week because we had no idea what PJ Walker was going to do with the wide receivers on this team. You know, who was going to be his go-to guy? Was he going to throw a lot? Was he going to throw efficiently? In fantasy, PJ didn't have the best game, but he did throw the ball a lot to DJ Moore. 11 targets. He caught seven of them, 127 yards, and he had a carry for 21 as well. Um, he had a 21.8 point week, which was awesome for DJ Moore. The previous week in week 10, he had 19.6 points on seven targets. So, He's going back-to-back -back weeks somewhere between 19 and 22 points almost, so that's very good. So across those two weeks, he's wide receiver five. This is the DJ Moore we expected. This is the DJ Moore we wanted. He's a talented guy. He just needs the ball, right? I mean, you can talk about anybody's uh, talent in the league. You know, I like to talk about Jerry Judy a lot. You know, I, I think Jerry Judy is immensely talented, but he doesn't get the ball enough. DJ Moore, same thing. He was a first-round pick back when he was drafted out of Maryland. Great player. He's been efficient and effective in the league throughout the last, what, two seasons? If he gets the ball, he makes plays. So 11 targets in this last game, seven, uh, the game before. I like that. Wide receiver five across two weeks. Um, pro football reference across 10 weeks said Minnesota is a bottom three to wide receivers in points. So they give up a decent amount of points to wide receivers. So I like DJ Moore in this game, and I think he – can continue on this alpha road that he's taken for the Panthers here. Another guy I like, and we talked about the game script for this game, um, is Mike Evans. So Mike Evans, a lot of people were saying is, you know, the guy you can drop 
or you need to trade him away, but he's been good. He's been good. Mike Evans has been good in fantasy the last couple weeks here. Um, the last two games, you know, we think of Chris Godwin as this PPR monster who consumes a majority of the targets, but across the last two games, Evans has had 20 to Godwin's 16 targets. So he's a step ahead in Godwin in that aspect of the game, which you like to see if you are a manager of Mike Evans. He's had back-to-back games with touchdowns, and he's had nine on the year so far. So you don't expect Evans to find the end zone every game, but seeing that he has the uh, ability to do so, and he has a quarterback that's looking for him in that area of the field, is very, is very good. It's very good moving forward. Um, it makes you think on a weekly basis this guy can score. If you had a wide receiver that has not scored much at all this season or has done so sporadically, you don't think that way. So I think in fantasy, if you see a guy like Evans draw this consistency for finding the end zone, obviously that's him having the skill set to do so, but it's Brady as well looking for him. So I like Mike Evans this week in a potential shootout versus the Chiefs. I think this is going to be a game where both quarterbacks throw the ball a lot. So seeing that he is the number one targeted guy the last two weeks, over Chris Godwin, maybe not by a ton, but he has been. I like Mike Evans, especially with him being a guy that a lot of people are writing off this year. So Mike Evans versus the Chiefs is one of my starts of the week. Wide receiver sit of the week is going to be a set of wide receivers. It's going to be all the Patriots wide receivers versus Cardinals. Here's the reason why. Cam has four passing touchdowns on the year. He had 365 passing yards this past week. But then he's had six weeks of under 175 passing yards. Demir Bird went off this past week. He had seven targets, right? He was one of the top five scorers. We know Jacoby Myers has had a few good weeks outside of this past week. Nikhil Harry was supposed to be their guy. So here's the targets across a few weeks here. Demir Bird, 7094. So that's going four weeks back. 7094. Nikhil Harry, eight, which was good in this past week, zero, two, two. Jacoby Myers, three, seven, 14, 10. So Myers obviously looks like a guy that was targeted a lot during that time, but coming off of a three target game, that's not too good of a sign there. So I'm sitting all the Patriots wide receivers just because the group continues to have a fluctuation. I keep using that word today, but a fluctuation of who gets what targets. Um, I don't think it's easy to trust one of these guys in terms of, hey, this is going to be a good Nikhil Harry game or a Jacoby Myers game or a Demir Bird game. Their quarterback doesn't throw the ball enough. He doesn't throw it long enough in terms of passing yards, doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns. So I'm sitting all the Patriots wide receivers this week against the Cardinals, even in a game that they might have to throw the ball a lot because you have no idea which one to start. So you're really just throwing a dart that today it's going to be Harry's day or Bird's day or Myers day. So I'm sitting all three because I don't want to go into the week with that many question marks. Tight end position. I got two starts and one sit. So one of my starts is Austin Hooper versus the Jaguars. The Jaguars across 10 weeks of football were tied for first for touchdowns to tight ends. What we know about uh, Austin Hooper here is that in the past with the Falcons, he had the ability to find the, the end zone. He had the ability to score. Right. That's what we knew about Austin Hooper. He got the ball thrown to him a lot and he scored a lot. I mean, that's what he did for the Falcons. It was just clear as day. Um, in this game versus the Jags, they gave up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends. I think this could be a big game for Austin Hooper if Baker's able to be a little bit more efficient with the ball and find him because 
this past week, Hooper had five targets. He caught three of them. He's had had uh, targets up and down throughout the year, but um, he did go through a string of weeks where he had five targets in all three of them, and it was before he had the appendix issue. So I think Austin Hooper can be a very important piece of this offense, seeing that Landry had like two targets last game. Um, even more so proves that they need someone to be that guy in terms of a security uh, blanket for Baker who has struggled. Um, I think Austin Hooper can have a good week versus the Jags. I think he can be an easy plug and play sort of guy. My other tight end of the week, uh, he was on my waiver wire article, waiver wire winners, even I cannot say it fast was Jordan Reed and he's playing the Rams. And I know the Rams are a good defense and they do good against the pass, but Seeing the state of this 49ers offense right now, Mostert and Kittle on the IR as of recently, McKinnon, Ayuk, and uh, Debo were all questionable or out going into this week. There's not a lot of guys to throw the ball to, and Jordan Reed can catch. He went five for six, so five catches on six targets in week 10 right before the bye. So he was looked at in the passing game, and they don't have a lot of guys to throw to. Week two, we saw that game where he caught, uh, caught seven balls on eight targets for two touchdowns and 24 points. So seeing the 49ers need someone to throw the ball to, I don't know who's going to even suit up for this game just because so many guys were out and questionable. I like Jordan Reed in this game. I think he's a guy that has proven in the past when he was healthy that he could be a pass catcher. I think he's proven to his own team that he could be a pass catcher, and I think Nick Mullins likes him. I think Mullins is a guy that will look for Jordan Reed a lot in this game. And seeing Jordan Reed in week two with Mullins have eight targets, I would not be surprised if he repeats that sort of target share in this game against the Rams, which are going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. So I like Jordan Reed. I think he's one of the plays of the week for me for the tight end position. Last one in terms of starts and sits. I got a sit for you for tight ends. Um, it's Higby. It's Tyler Higby uh, versus the 49ers. The same game we just talked about. So the 49ers actually are good against the tight end position. They beat up the tight ends. Um, 10 targets to Higby. Everett has had eight in the last two games. So Higby is leading, I guess, the tight ends and targets, 10 to eight, but it's by two in the last two weeks. So he's not really separating himself from the other tight end, and he's not really dipping into the Cooper Cup and Robert Woods share of targets. So Tyler Higby obviously was one of the best, if not a top two tight end following up uh, the past season, the last couple weeks of this past year. It's not the case this year. He had that one week where he had three touchdowns. He scored 20, I don't know, eight points. Not not the case for him anymore. Um, he's, he's a guy that's being hard to trust. And I think you can go a much different route with a guy like Jordan Reed over going with Tyler Higby this week or any week if Jordan Reed starts taking off or one of these other guys that we've mentioned before starts having some consistency. I think with the tight end position, you got to look for consistent targets and consistent involvement in the offense. Tyler Higby's not in that category. So as far as week 12 goes, that's the starts and sits of the week for me. Um, I got a couple mailbag questions, didn't get a lot. So figured I would uh, go through the ones here that I actually got. So I got at Ricky business seven. And his question was in picks, what should a non-contender be looking to receive for Chubb given his great rest of year schedule? Interesting question because Chubb obviously came back, came back and he's getting touched on the ball. He's came back and had uh 11.4 this past week, not phenomenal, but he had 18.6 on his first week back versus the Texans. Um, looking at the schedule ahead, 
Jacksonville, so that's a game you, you like Nick Chubb in. Tennessee and Baltimore provide a little bit more difficulty across uh, 13 and 14. And then weeks 15 and 16, if you're really a contender, the Giants and the Jets, great games for a contender this year. If I am a guy that's in a dynasty and I want to rebuild a bit and I want to sell Nick Chubb, you want a first. You want a first. And I'd say you want a running back in return that's younger. So I wouldn't say it'd be a crazy thing to ask for like a guy like, hey, I, I want I want Zach Moss and a first for Nick Chubb. I want, we just talked about Antonio Gibson. Why not shoot your shot and say, hey, you're a contender this year. I want a first and Antonio Gibson for Nick Chubb. If they say no, sure, fine, fine. But I think if you get a young running back, not that Nick Chubb's young at all, he's not, he's not. But if you get a first and a running back in return, I think that's a good um, selling point for Nick Chubb. Unless you're loaded on running backs and then you go the same route for a young uh, wide receiver. All right, I think that's the two positions you target and try to get a first out of it for Nick Chubb, especially if all, all you have to do is text a contender in your league. Hey, if you make it to the semis in the final, it's the Giants and the Jets for Nick Chubb. Like that can win you a championship. I want a first plus. That's that's what I would say to a contender. Next question is from at Jay Stern. Dynasty one quarterback rebuild team. Would you rather keep Watson and trade Tua or keep Tua and trade Watson? Who should bring a bigger return? Well, uh, if you're looking to trade one of these guys, um, the bigger return in the trade would be Watson, just because Tua has not been uh, phenomenal in fantasy. He actually got benched last game, but they said he's still going to start, so not a huge concern there. But um, Tua, across the games he's played, 7.32, 14.66, 21.42, 5.72. So he had the one game where he had above 20. Otherwise, he was struggling with uh, two games under eight points. So I don't think it's easy to sell Tua unless somebody's a massive Tua fan. Um, if you're looking to get the most uh, capital investment on somebody, I think in a one quarterback league, it's gotta be Watson, especially since, uh, he scored 31.36 this past week. And he was a number one quarterback in fantasy last week. So, um, with that being said though, if that's your two quarterbacks and you are, uh, in a rebuild, I still like Watson in dynasty more than Tua right now. Nothing is shown to me that Tua is above Watson in dynasty. So, I'm shipping away Tua to a team that likes Tua and uh, has some um, aspirations for him to live up to expectations. I think Tua is very good. I just think Watson is better for your team. And uh, even if you're in a rebuild, I think dynasty-wise, he is above Tua for me. Last question, at J Arsht. So it's A-R-S-H-T, in case I said it wrong. JT or Dobbins rest of the season, and he put in parentheses post-COVID. I think if Dobbins is set to lead this backfield like he did in the last game, it's Dobbins. Just because the scheme of this offense is very run heavy and the Ravens are great at finding ways to be effective on the run. With the Colts, so many factors and there's so many ups and downs and question marks and this guy's got the hot hand and this guy's got the hot hand. I'm going with Dobbins, even though we saw through most of the season Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and Dobbins all involved. But if they followed the same trend that happened in this past game after Dobbins is cleared from the COVID list, I think he's an easy top 10 running back the rest of the season. Easy, if not pushing higher than that. Jonathan Taylor, even with having that good last week, I think his ceiling's still a bit limited. We haven't seen that big 
20-point game out of Jonathan Taylor. We saw a couple 15-point games. We, we did see a 19-point game in week two, but we're not seeing this huge upside to Jonathan Taylor, and we saw it with the one time Dobbins actually got the lead touches. So seeing Dobbins get close to 20, the first time he got the majority of the carries in a tough game, I like Dobbins. I like Dobbins' the rest of the season. I think Dobbins, if he continues to have that role, could be a league winner. So if your trade deadline is approaching and someone's a little frustrated that Dobbins hit the COVID list and they're looking for an immediate answer because they need to win this week, I'd be trying to uh, grab Dobbins. So that's a good question right there. And that's about it for today. So uh, just around 37 minutes in right now, uh, quick pod. Talked about week 11, talked about starts and six for week 12, and then we had some uh, mailbag questions. So um, hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, again, rocking the T-shirt, and I got this on the pinned tweet on my Twitter page if anybody's interested. Uh, I'd love to have some people rocking these out and uh, sending me um, some pictures saying uh, that it shipped into you. So thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, good luck, and have a great Thanksgiving with your family and a healthy one.